We have been devoting a few minutes every Friday to discuss a Godal whose yard site falls in this week. Today, Yudalid Adar, I'd like to do a little different topic because the person, the Godal that I chose this week, it's not actually his yard site this week, but in a sense we do commemorate his yard site today. And of course I'm referring to Haman. The Gadol of the week that we will discuss today is Haman. You will ask me, was Haman really a Gadol? And of course the answer is clear in the Megillah. It says, Gidal HaMelech Achashverosh Et Haman. King Ahasuerus made Haman Gadol. Now, what does Gadol mean? Gadol could be a physical concept. A friend of mine once told me that Reb Chaim Shmulevitz said to him that he'll be a Gadol when he was a child. So, the bracha has to come true some way. So, my friend was very tall. He said he didn't become a big Tamit Chacham, but he became a Gadol. So, now Ahasuerus made Haman into a Gadol. But we know Haman wasn't big. It says he was ish tsar. Ish tsar means small, thin. So if Haman wasn't a gadol, a gadol physically, he must have been a gadol spiritually. Gidal Hamelech Achashverosh, King Achashverosh, proclaimed Haman as a gadol. But of course, you're going to ask me: Since when does King Achashverosh decide who was a gadol? After all, who was King Achashverosh? HaMelech Achashverosh is depicted in Chazal as being a Melech Tipesh, a foolish king. What does he, what connection does he have to appoint Haman as a Gadol? And here also, we have seen in our history, not once, not twice, there were Tipshim who decided who were the Gadolim of their generation. Achashverosh could certainly be included as one of the tipshim, and he proclaimed to us a gadol. Again, I can anticipate many people's arguments who think that this is not the correct way to make a gadol. This is not the way to declare a gadol. How could I possibly suggest that Haman was a gadol because of Achashverosh? And to be honest, I'm rather in a dilemma about it because I'm confused. I heard once that there was a book to explain this concept completely. The name of the book was Making of a Gadol. And there I would be able to find out what really do you need to make a Gadol? Who makes a Gadol? What is a Gadol? The only trouble is, when that book came out, immediately it was denounced, put into Cherem, and therefore I have no way of knowing what really makes a Gadol. So I can only interpret the Psukim as I understand them. Gidal HaMelech HaChashverosh, the King HaChashverosh, proclaimed Haman as being a Gadol. But in order to really determine what the character of Haman is and what he accomplished in his life, we have to look at the text of the Megillah, see what he did, and see if his kavanos, his intentions, are really the Shem Shemayim. So, it's fairly obvious to me that we can make a strong case that Haman's goal in life was to make sure 
that B'nai Yisrael actually do tshuva. We know of cases where a person did an Avera Lishma. His purpose was only to fulfill mitzvahs of the Torah, whether it's on his behalf or on behalf of Am Yisrael. For example, Haman said, Yeshno amechad mefuzar mefarad bein ha'amim. There is a nation which is scattered among the other nations. And we generally understand this to mean that Haman was castigating the Jewish people, that there was no unity among the Jewish people, and we talk a great deal about the unifying process of Purim. And in a way, there might be a simple understanding of that's what Haman intended to do. Haman meant to unify the Jewish people. And he complained about the fact that they were not unified, and he said, unfortunately, in times of tragedy, Bnei Yisrael become unified, and this is my accomplishment. Perhaps one could even suggest a different pshat. You see, those words that we translated, Yeshno Amechad Mefuzar Mefarad Ben Amim, there is a nation, there is one nation, who is scattered among the nations, actually presents a contradiction in terms. When we read the words, Yeshno Amechad, there is a nation, that implies there is one nation, Yeshno Amechad, there is one unified nation. But immediately it says, Mefuzar Mefarad, they are scattered and dispersed. So how can you say this one nation that is scattered and dispersed? I would suggest a very slight biblical emendation, and instead of saying Yeshno Amechad, I would say Yashnu Amechad. They went to sleep. B'nai Yisrael entered a dogmatic slumber. We're not excited about mitzvahs. We even remember the Medrash that tells us that before B'nai Yisrael received the Torah, they fell asleep. One of the reasons for staying up all night Shavuos is to commemorate the fact that B'nai Yisrael did not stay up all night before receiving the Torah. They went to sleep. It, they did not look forward to this exciting event. So, in the time of Achashverosh, we know also Bnei Israel had a certain coldness about them. They had no anticipation of mitzvahs. They had no excitement about mitzvahs. And Haman says, they're asleep. They're a sleepy nation. Yashnu Amechad. It's true, maybe, they're sleeping and therefore they had not been considered an Am Echad. And therefore Haman decided, I must do something to create a tshuva process. In terms of himself, Haman might have also understood that he personally has a problem. Because Haman, biologically, was Haman ben Amdasa HaAgagi. He was from the family of Agag, from the family of Amalek. Now, no matter what a kind of a godal he is, no matter what of a kind of a tzaddik he is, Haman understood that the mishpacha, the family related to Amalek, the family related to Agag, must be killed, must be destroyed. Timches Amalek, there's a mitzvah. Now, it is true that the Rambam felt that a person from Amalek could do tshuva, and therefore, my suggestion would not work according to the Rambam. But who told you that Haman paskin like the Rambam? Haman might very well have paskin that Amalek, he could not do tshuva. And therefore, although he himself did tshuva, and although he himself was a tzaddik gomor, 
And there, therefore, he was privileged to the fact that his grandchildren actually learned Torah in B'nai Brak. We have a famous tradition. It wouldn't be surprising when we see what goes on in B'nai Brak to assume that some of these students are grandchildren of, of, of Haman the Tzaddik. So Haman knew that he was from Agag. He knew he was Namaleki. He also knew that, or at least he passed against the Ramah that he can't do Shiva, and therefore he had to die. Therefore he prepared the tree. You see, you think that he prepared the tree in order to kill Mordechai. But it says in the Megillah, He prepared the tree for him. For whom? Chazal say that Ha'etz Asher is Haman prepared for himself. Chazal probably meant it in a different sense. But nevertheless, the same way Chazal said that Haman prepared the tree for himself, I could argue that Haman prepared the tree for himself in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Mechias HaMalek. And he wanted Bnei Yisrael to fulfill this mitzvah, so he entered on this plot in order to make sure that they would do tshuva properly, they would awake from their dogmatic slumber, and they would fulfill the mitzvah of Mechias HaMalek. Haman had many other motives in mind. Haman, we know that he looked for an appropriate month to plan his deed. And he chose the month of Adar. Why did he choose the month of Adar? So the Madrash explains, because Haman looked at the month of Adar and saw that it's a month that has no Jewish holiday. A month that just passes by. We have an almost every month we have some special day, or at least the day that you don't say Tachnon. And Haman, if you remember, did not know exactly the dates of Zayin Adar. He was a little confused about those dates. And he thought, or he held like the Misnagdim, that you say Tachnon in every single day of Adar. So he peel poor, he decided, I'm going to have a date, which will cause Bnei Israel to do tshuva on that day. And therefore, instead of his plot, he would knew that his plot would be upturned, overturned, and therefore Bnei Israel would have a party in the month of, of Adar. Not only did he chose Adar, because he wanted to make sure the Jewish people have a day of festivity in Adar, and that a day that they won't say Tachnun, but Haman did better than that. He chose the month of Adar because he knew that in many years there are two Adars, as in this year. And since there are two Adars, we get a double save from Tachnun. So he wanted to do for the Tovas Am Yisrael, for the better of the Jewish people. Look how happy they are. They don't say Tachnun in the month of Adar, the first month of, of, the, of the second Adar. We also see wonderful characteristics of Haman, as sometimes we can see opposed to Mordechai. Mordechai was given an edict by the king. Right? It says in the, in the Megillah very clearly that all the servants of the king bowed down, they prostrated themselves before Haman because the king so decreed. Now, who is the king? It didn't say the king of Ahasuerus. Maybe this was a divine plan. And Mordechai, for some reason, and it doesn't say at all in the Megillah, why? Mordechai doesn't do what the plan is. Haman, on the other hand, 
you see that the moment that the king seems to change his mind, and the king said to Haman, Maher, when he told him to take the lavush, to take the proper clothes, the proper horse, and take Mordechai, and lead Mordechai, as if Mordechai is the king incarnate, and you are a servant, Haman is so respectful, such a man of Derech Eretz, that immediately, he does exactly what the king says. Now, we have another proof that Haman was a very great man, because the Gemara learns where is the source of Haman in the Torah. And the Gemara says, Haman ha'etz. When I first heard this pshat in America, when I was a little boy, and a Rav taught, said to me, this is the source of Haman and the Torah, Amina Eitz, I began to laugh. And he told me, no, 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 I'm not up to the joke part yet. That really is what the Gemara says. Hamin Eitz, Haman is hinted at in the Torah. Now we know that Esther, for example, is hinted at in the Torah, Mordechai is hinted in the Torah, but Haman is also hinted in the Torah. And what does the Torah say about Haman? Haman is an eighth. He's a tree. We know that an eighth is a very positive thing. The Miraglim were sent to see Hayeshba Eitzimayin. Do they have a tree? Do they have a tree? Was interpreted by Chazal to mean someone to protect them. Someone, as it were, to put his arms, his limbs, and protect people. The eighth is a man. Ha'adam eitz ha'sadeh. Hamin ha'etz means Haman was a very, very respected person. A person who had the capacity to protect his people like a tree. And therefore, Haman was really a gadol. And it's appropriate this week to mention the yard site of Haman. But I do know that we have many kashas in the Megillah about what I said. And I know that a lot of people are going to think read the Megillah and see many, many things are difficult. That might be true. But in general, I think we can learn through the event of art scrolls, we can learn through other modern times that we don't ask Cassius about Gadolin. Once we establish that someone is indeed a Gadol, everything else can be somehow revised. Revisionist history is possible. Uh, we'll, we can whitewash anything. So, I would suggest taking some of the more literal psukim of Megillah and, and building medrash about them and, and reinterpreting them, be, or just perhaps, perhaps we might even have to put a ban on those sections which somehow imply something about our true gadolim. Now, I hope that in the future we continue on Friday to learn a little bit about the life of a gadol, to try to assess his life. And today, I'm not really sure if we did the exact right thing, because after all, it's not really the yard site of Haman this week, but perhaps we fulfilled a different halacha. Chazal tell us that we should be careful to reach a level in Purim that we did not differentiate between Arur Haman and Baruch Mordechai. Perhaps we reached that level today.